Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm, and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm slash partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. This is Fear Embodied, Episode 2. Enjoy. Major! The call was half shout, half hiss. It was followed by a muffled banging. Philip was searching for me, us, along the corridor. He was hitting the doors flat-handed as though he wanted to make noise but was still trying to be surreptitious. Of course he was. He was a secret agent. What's going on here? I asked Mary and myself furiously, but she had pushed the keyboard away and was scrabbling through the desk drawers. My body was awash with adrenaline. She didn't know what she was looking for or didn't think she would find it. A weapon? Stop! I hissed at her. Stop! Stop! And then I growled in frustration, but I was pretty sure that sound wasn't me. Marion was getting stronger every second, and in no time at all, she'd have me locked down again. More banging. Philip was getting closer. I felt a spurt of fear and ugly hate through Marion's hippocampus, and I grabbed the opportunity, slamming the drawer of the desk on my, her fingers. It definitely hurt me as much as it hurt her, but I was used to pain, and I'd been expecting it. She was thrown, unable to use our brain for a moment, while her fingers jumped to her mouth. Stop and listen, I hissed. Have you ever fought someone? I mean, really physically fought? Sulky silence. Then my uninjured hand reached out and pointed at the N on the keyboard, not even bothering to depress it. Then if you know what's good for you, you'll stop messing with this body for the next five minutes. Not giving her a chance to quibble, I slid up next to the door. I don't know this body. I flexed my arms and legs, trying to get a sense for muscle tone. Not great. 
Let's hope at least some kinetic memory is stored in the memory, I thought, and had time to feel a pang of sardonic amusement from Marion before the door shuddered next to me with the impact of Philip's palms. Major, he whisper-yelled, and then, more cautiously, Marion. I ripped the door open, pulling him inside, off balance. I was expecting the weapon and caught his wrist with my other hand, spinning him off his feet while I twisted the gun into my control. A particle gun. Agent Philip wasn't messing around. I had him in a wrist lock, but the height differential made it uncomfortable, and now I had ample evidence he wouldn't mind killing me or Marion. I slammed him in the head with the butt of the gun, and he slumped to the floor. Then, unexpectedly, I gleefully bounced on my toes several times. That was amazing, Marion said, using my mouth, although she still slurred the words a little. She aimed a kick at Philip's head, but I was able to yank her us off balance in time, and we stumbled against the desk instead. Ow, she said. What's wrong with you? That son of a bitch deserved it, and you, you are. I could not stand to hear how she was going to gloat over her pet soldier. I stuck my tongue out and bit it. Once again, my tolerance for pain was far higher than hers. Shut up, I mumbled around the soreness before she could take control again. I want to know what's going on. Marion laughed. You can't keep beating me up forever. Can't I? I was still holding the particle gun. I moved it slowly to my temple. No sudden moves, Marion, I said. Wouldn't want me to accidentally pull the trigger. Neither of us would survive, Marion whispered, almost without moving her lips. Fine with me, I lied. I'm happily off with my family colonizing Europa. Even in her desperation, Marion found the mean-spiritedness to snicker. Of course you're not. Do you think they only lied to you? I sucked in breath. What is going on? Put down the gun, she said. And I'll tell you all about it. Our hand was already shaking slightly, and I couldn't tell if it was because this body's muscles were already failing me or if she had managed to weaken my resolve. In any case, I couldn't keep the gun to my head forever. I was going to have to figure out a way to get rid of her, at least temporarily, and ideally without thinking about it enough for her to know what I was doing. I had never suffered from claustrophobia. It would have hampered my career, that's for sure. But in that moment, I felt a wave of nausea at the thought of being trapped in this body. The shiny android I was supposed to be in seemed like a clean, spacious, functional haven. Impossibly out of reach. Dr. Radial? Dr. Link? The voice came from the corridor, and although I didn't recognize it, I felt an instant physical reaction of anticipation and panic. Dr. Link? Let me handle this one, Marion whispered urgently. Now! I hesitated for a second, but I had no other plan. I relaxed my control of the body, and Marion stuffed the gun inside one of the desk drawers and rushed over to Philip just as a young man in a lab coat walked into the room. Dr. Link, what happened? He just collapsed, Marion said smoothly. I think he hit his head on the wall as he fell. It was impressive. She almost sounded worried about someone else. Together, they started moving Philip into a sitting position. The young man in the lab coat had a bionic exoskeleton, or maybe complete prosthetic, it was hard to tell, on one arm. Inside, Mary and I was squirming. Philip wasn't going to be unconscious for that much longer. Unless Marion had another plan. We should get him to my lab, 
my mouth said. Of course she had another plan. Good idea, he answered. Uh, maybe I should bring one of the gurneys? Thank you, Tan. Marion beamed. That would be very helpful. I'll be right back. Oh, by the way, Marion said before he got out the door. How is your arm? Tan glanced down at it automatically. Doing much better. It almost never gives me trouble now. And the reflexes are amazing. He grinned and left. Tell me now, I whispered against her stiff lips as soon as we were alone. What have you done to... I couldn't bring myself to ask about my family, to believe that the happy video she had shown me was a sham. To the colonists. Not enough time, Marion said crisply. Don will be back in a minute or less, and we need to lay some ground rules for how we are going to work together. I admit you're better in combat, but we need a signal of some sort for... I'm afraid I tuned her out at that point. Partly it was because her arrogant tone was grating, and partly because I had no intention of following her rules, but mostly because I had noticed something that took all of my attention. Philip was sitting leaned against the wall. His head was sloped to one side, and I was almost sure he was still unconscious. But his index finger was moving against the floor, tapping against the floor, tapping in an awkward but determined way and with a rhythm that I understood through deeply ingrained neural pathways. Morse code. I'm in here. Help me. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I 
wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, there must be worse people to be stuck in the body of than a secret agent, a serial killer, or a garbage drone, a prisoner in subterranean isolation, a movie star in the middle of some brutal three-month training regimen. Been there, done that. Didn't get the gold statue. Secret agents are supposed to be the stuff of fantasies. I've starred as them at least four times. And I could appreciate the irony that I was thrust into the real version of a role others had probably fantasized about assuming in the afterlife. But those were people who got off on lying, on the game of trust and mistrust. The kind of people who thought other people were toys to use for amusement or tools to use for whatever this fucking nightmare turned out to be. The kind of person who'd trapped me in this Philip asshole's body. And the major, not that I knew her, knew of her, sure, and she might be my best shot out of this high-tech dump in marrying the morally gray researchers. I'd been lured here to do research for my next flick. I wanted that statue, damn it. Which was not for the kind of part where I'd have to train for four hours a day and eat only egg-white omelets. Period dramas had their charms. And the things they could do with hollows these days let everyone but the all-natural lighting and makeup sanctimonious among us eat actual food once or twice a day and stay up late now and then without anyone calling the under-eye bag police to arrest them for looking over 30. If I'd been designing my perfect android afterlife, it'd have been all guacamole and margaritas and reading irresistible books and a handful of unimpeachably trustworthy friends. Sadly, I'd have to make them up. But they'd be perfect, fake android friends. Maybe a man to love. Maybe a woman. An android to love me back, no matter what my current net worth was. A fabulous new address, without a single piece of my outward identity forwarded. The opposite of the world I lived in. Or had lived in. I wasn't even sure now if I was still alive or not. I suspected not, and there was no fucking way I planned to live out eternity in old Philip here, with him pushing me down so he could deceive and play whack-a-mole with his enemies. From what I could guess, someone had a theory that the ability to draw on my acting skills would make him the most successful secret agent in the history of the galaxy. I had no clue yet why they'd put the Major inside Marion. If I got this script, I'd rip it to shreds, but... Here I was, and with nothing to do but keep going. This was some come-with-me-if-you-want-to-live shit. It was like doing fucking theater. Hence the tap-tap-tap on the floor while Philip was groggy and out of it. I'd learned Morse code for a part, too, and the Major must know it. I kept it simple, vague. I'm in here, help me. Understanding lit on the woman's face. She understood. I almost breathed a sigh of relief. Who are you? she asked, coming closer. 
Her pores were so enormous it almost made me like her. Two chance talking or not. I wasn't sure who'd asked, the Major or Marion. No one you know. I forced the words past his lips. Not my best delivery, but I did it. I want out, too. Out? Marion, for sure, then. Her words were a little slow, her tongue swollen. I'd bitten my tongue for a part, too. I had a feeling the Major and I would get along just fine. Oh, this fucking body, I said. If we couldn't have our own bodies back, fine. But I wasn't fond of sharing. Pop us into some of those shiny android bodies that would last past the day the cockroaches gasped their foul, dying breaths. Me too, she said, and this time I knew it was the Major. Can we? she asked. The question wasn't for me, it was for Marion. Maybe, she said. We need to go to the lab. Can you keep him down? This one was for me. I'll give it my best shot. But it was getting easier. My words flowed more freely. Philip might think he lived in the most rough-and-tumble world there was, but I was from Hollywood. I felt him struggling to take control back, and I fought as hard as I could, picturing myself expanding like an ocean to fill every part of him. He surged back like a wave. Punch me again, I said. I didn't have to ask twice. The fist rattled his brain, but I kept fighting and I held on to my consciousness. Philip subsided. Let's go, I said, and be quick about it. Marianne's body offered me an arm and the two... Wait, make that three? I wasn't counting Philip. Of us got me to his feet. In the hallway, we met a man with a gurney, a worshipful assistant with some serious skeletal upgrades. I let myself be steered onto it, placing a hand over my forehead and moaning. Don't trust them, the major said, and I could see Marion purse her lips hard afterward. You think? I quipped. The worshipful assistant had tensed, and so I asked my questions slow, to make it clear I wasn't a threat. What happened to the actress? I couldn't resist. Who was here before? My body might not be perfect, might have, in fact, had its imperfections catalogued daily. But it was mine, and if I could have it, I wanted it. Marion, or the Major, gave him a nod to answer, frowning, probably trying to figure out why on earth I'd be asking about that. Or rather, who on not earth would be asking about it. She must have been evacuated when the trouble started, the assistant said with a shrug. Wait a hot second. Was this not part of a plan at all, but some sort of accident? I wanted to laugh. Or cry. Or both. Both, at the same time, truly was the stuff of awards. Marion looked down at me shrewdly. Marion and the Major. You can't be serious, one of them said, and at this point it didn't matter which. You're not her. You can't be. It's always a pleasure to meet a fan, I said, and then that asshole Philip woke up again. You're listening to Fear, Embodied, created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Embodied is written by Fran Wilde, Max Gladstone, Sarah Gailey, Gwenda Bond, Madeline Ashby, Malka Older, Mer Lafferty, Mary Robinette Cole, and S.L. Huang. Performed by Exe Sands. Produced by Lydia Shama. Executive producers Molly Barton and Julian Yap. Audio produced an original theme by Amanda Rose Smith. Fear is produced by Mary Osadolihi and Kaylin West. Associate produced by Nicole Kreuter. Executive produced by Molly Barton, Julian Yap, and Marcy Wiseman. Hosted by Pun Bandu. Audio editing by Corey Barton. Original theme by Hashem Asadolihi, featuring drummer Andrew Niven and mixed by Max Kuttner. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Find more shows like this on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.